The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Neville Mandibika, the Africa strategist at Rand Merchant Bank with our Africa Business Report. And you're already getting all reflective on us, Neville. It's like the year is almost done. Oh, my goodness me, it is. It is. It's the middle of November. Um, how bad? I mean, do we know? Have we? Can we quantify the impact yet of COVID on the African continent from an economic perspective? I think it's still too soon to tell, Bruce, uh, because the scarring, I think, is, is going to be with us for, for a long time to come. But, you know, from the indicators that we're looking at, you know, from a humanitarian perspective, we know that COVID-19 wasn't as bad on the African continent compared to some of the, you know, European countries. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a tick uh, in, in our favor. But I think where we really showed our vulnerability was around uh, the other transmission channels, so through commodity prices, uh, which really, you know, it re- hit rock bottom uh, in the first quarter of, uh, of last year. And similarly, so, uh, you know, we then saw economies starting to, to fumble a little bit when it came to economic activity. But, you know, fortunately, we did rebound uh, quite sharply by the time the second quarter and the third quarter of last year rolled around. Yeah, and I just wonder, um, you know, what, how long the tail of COVID is going to be, the disruption it's caused, the unemployment it's mm. caused, the uh, deaths in families and the loss of breadwinners and all of these sorts of things, which, you know, yeah. alter the, the lives and livelihoods of families for decades. Um, and, and from a country perspective, just how significant the disruption is going to be and how long it's going to, to take to play out. Yeah, I think some of these things, I think we'll only see them sort of years to come. Um, you know, certainly the points that you made in terms of disruption of, you know, sort of socioeconomic um, sort of balance within uh, households. I think that's certainly something that we're going to see uh, in, in some time to come. And, you know, if we look at, uh, you know, supply chain disruptions uh, that are still affecting everyone globally, you know, we can see that playing out literally on a day-to-day basis, you know, with inflation starting to pick up in some of the other sort of advanced economies because of supply issues. So I think, you know, this is something that we have to balance in the, mid, in the, in the short term uh, as well as the long term to try and get a sense of, uh, you know, how bad the scary uh, has been. But, you know, suffice to say, I think some economies are rebounding faster than others. Yep. Uh, we, who's outperforming? Who is uh, doing better than others? Ooh, a, a lot of countries are doing well, Bruce, and, and much to my surprise. I think, you know, it was, it was almost an Armageddon thesis uh, that was being uh, propagated right at the beginning of, uh, of 2020. But, you know, if I look at some economies that are rebounded well, you know, your Cote d'Ivoire, your Senegal, um, you know, Egypt has done well, Kenya and Ghana too, to some extent. Um, and these are countries uh, that avoided a, a recession in, uh, in 2020. Um, and, of course, have had a very, very decent uh, footing to actually bounce off of. Uh, in 2021, and we're starting to see these economies outperforming uh, the sub-Saharan Africa average, um, which, of course, they're only going to push on much stronger uh, from, from here on end. But as with many things, Bruce, it's a tale of two stories, right? So uh, in this particular scenario, you know, we've got a story of uh, economies that are underperforming, and we see the headlines on a day-to-day basis. We see some of the idiosyncratic issues affecting Zambia, affecting Mozambique, uh, affecting Zimbabwe, it's affecting Malawi. So, you know, these are some of the economies that are starting to, to underperform a little bit. Why did we not see many debt defaults in, in 2020, 2021? And again, that all-fall-down scenario, which was pro, which we sort of looked at at the beginning of last year, Africa mm. vulnerable, last to get vaccines, massive populations, poverty, yeah. um, just vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable. Yet we didn't see the all-fall-down scenario play out in, in capital markets. I think there, there are a lot of factors behind this, but I think the, the main reason here is the, is the support that we 
saw from international financial institutions such as your IMF, your World Bank, your FPPs, that really stepped up in speed and in size uh, to be able to provide sort of liquidity re- relief in terms of rapid disbursements of, uh, of monies that were needed, either to jack up, uh, you know, hospital facilities or to ensure that, you know, the country was still able to meet its uh, uh, debt obligations. Uh, we did see a default in, uh, in 2020, though, which was by way of Zambia. But by no means was that a COVID-related default. You know, that was something that was already in the making, uh, you know, long before the pandemic hit us. But I think the real reason, um, you know, why we avoided this was, you know, the fiscal response that we saw from the different countries, uh, monetary support. You know, we saw some of that here in South Africa, but similarly so in other African countries. And of course, uh, what I mentioned around, you know, sort of debt uh, 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 initiatives being uh, pushed forward by, uh, you know, the IMS, the World Bank, so far of this world. And I think that really helped economies meet their obligations in the, in the short term. And then, I mean, we've got all eyes on the Fed, and I'm just watching the uh, the rand weaken very, very sharply after starting the day yeah. quite strongly. There's been like a two percent swing against the rand today, as U.S. retail sales came out so strongly. And we know that the U.S. Fed is cutting back on its support for the United States economy, which effectively means less capital sloshing around global markets as it looks mm-hmm. for an investment home. Uh, and then we're just seeing a resurgent dollar for now, anyway. I just wondered the vulnerability for this continent um, with the Fed beginning to cut back on support for the global economy and, and starting to raise interest rates probably by the middle of next year. Look, I think it's, it's important to appreciate the, the context or the run-up uh, to, to the Fed tightening that we're seeing, of course, in November in terms of reducing its asset purchases. And as you accurately mentioned, by the middle of next year in terms of interest rate increases, um, there's been a lot of uh, documentation and, th- and this decision has been so widely telegraphed uh, in the sense that it is not going to catch anyone by surprise. You know, unlike what we saw uh, back in 2013 with the taper tantrum where financial markets you know, got uh, uh, in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, but this time around, I think the, the story and the pattern that the Fed is, is following, and more importantly, the indicators that they are watching, uh, sort of well telegraphed that it's not going to catch anyone by surprise. But that said, though, I think it's still important uh, for us to appreciate uh, that we are in this scenario where investors are going to be demanding a higher premium uh, for sort of risky assets, uh, given that interest rates are going to be uh, rising uh, within the U.S. Uh, themselves. So the bar for attracting foreign portfolio flows is going to be naturally that much higher. So if I think about, you know, vulnerable countries, as you, as you mentioned, you know, your, your Egypt, your Ghana, your uh, Nigeria uh, and Kenya as well are going to be vulnerable in terms of capital flight uh, when you start seeing interest rates increase. But I think the, the, the major needle mover here is going to be the pace of the, of the increase. If the Fed, you know, suddenly surprises us and start hiking rates by, you know, 25, 50 basis points, et cetera, then, you know, the markets are going to start panicking a little bit. But, you know, for so long as it's going to be a gradual move or increase in, uh, in interest rate, I think uh, African economies should be able to handle uh, that pressure relatively well. But, you know, again, this is a game of probabilities, Bruce. Absolutely. Neville Mandimika, thank you. Africa strategist at Rand Birch and